Welcome to the Weekend Must Watch on the Intercut podcast channel where we wade our way through the week in theaters, streaming, and on demand. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, bored in the house, and he's in the house board, it's Arturo Zurita. After watching Fall, Zach, uh, Elson, Alina, I'm not doing mountains I'm not doing the hills. I'm not nope. even doing the stairs. You know nope. how big the stairs are coming up to my apartment. I haven't even done those. I have just I'll be a homebody. I'll down. quarantine. Yeah. That was that was a movie that we were lucky enough to get a screener for, but if you're if you don't know if you're scared of heights, you're gonna find out really quick with this one, especially if you see it in theaters. Mm-hmm. But uh, a slow week for movies, kind of, but nonetheless a little gems here and there. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if we can officially call the summer blockbuster season over, but we are shifting into a different brand of movies i guess uh, it's this weird thing where i feel like movies would do well in august but they've mostly abandoned the blockbusters in in the month of august mm-hmm. uh I, I don't really mind though because there is some room for some interesting mid-budget movies uh and some interesting stuff on streaming as well so we're gonna jump right into what we're watching and talk about the latest movies to hit theaters Beginning with a movie that we talked about first back in January, because it is another Sundance alumni, Emily the Criminal, written and directed by John Patton Ford. It's about Emily saddled with a bunch of student debt and... uh, and locked out of the job market after a felony conviction. Uh, She enters the world of credit card fraud and seems to take to it well. This one not only stars Aubrey Plaza, but was produced by her as well as her production company, Evil Hag Productions. So there's like a lot of intentionality, I I would say, in terms of Plaza taking this particular role. She's definitely an actress who's really carved a, a... a niche for herself as this kind of wry, dry uh, person who can do these like very pointed insults and and sort of off-kilter types of roles. She sometimes is more of like the crazy, wacko sidekick, and sometimes she's actually the, you know, there's something wrong underneath the surface protagonist of these stories. We've seen her in lots of different modes, but I don't know if I've ever quite seen her in a role like Emily the Criminal, and I'm I'm really pleased to say, see that she's able to adapt her abilities to this kind of lower lower boil crime thriller. It's not something that's calling for her to be this kind of uh, sassy or, or, or like snide deliverer of sarcastic lines. She's just kind of like a very real person and she's so convincing in, in this role. Uh, what did you think about Emily, the criminal now that you've had a chance to revisit it after a few months? Fantastic. I know this is one of our most anticipated, most anticipated out of the fest when we went to it. Uh, she's, yeah, she's Sundance queen, dude. She's been going back to back all those years with a bunch of these projects that you're seeing right there. And yeah, you're right. A lot of people see her as always being that sarcastic person from Parks and Rec, but she's been on a run, dude. Ingrid Goes yeah. West was also another Sundance mm-hmm. feature that I thought showed some chops in being able to take that comedy and make it very dark. Black Bear blew you and I both away, still at my top of uh, her performances. If you haven't seen that, definitely go catch it. Uh, but I really like this one because it's not, like you said, 
her just acting, but her bringing the script to life. Uh, the director had talked about how if it wasn't for her, he wouldn't have seen the movie the way that he ended up like viewing it. She added a lot of mm-hmm. personality to it and realizing who really is the criminal and what's going on here. <laughs> I love the handheld shots to it because obviously they shot it during COVID. They need to shoot it fast, but it adds to the tension. Like you're following her trying not to get caught in the system of like, you know, being able to... Um, flip these credit cards super quick. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to hear the director talk about how he himself was in debt, but he didn't want the debt that she owed in the movie to be his because he said that people wouldn't find it believable. And I find that just so telling about what the movie's about, uh, that it's the only type of loan that you could take out at 18. It's the Mm -hmm. only loan where if you die, it's going to go to your kids. There's no bankruptcy for this. And it kind of tells you... uh, if you end up in this position, the only way to get out of it is to commit a crime. I think the movie handles it in a, in a very interesting fashion where it, it's almost a coming-of-age story for her. She finally mm-hmm. realizes what she's good at, and she starts like yeah. diving straight into it. Uh, I would highly yeah, the, recommend the it. Scene in the, movie, the scene in the movie that echoes the title of the film is one that I think both of us thought was one of the strongest moments in the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, so if you're a big fan of Aubrey Plaza, obviously you need to add this to your list. But if you just like thrillers in general this is one of those where it's like it's not this big bank heist it's like something that is really scary and i think a lot of people have gone through it i've gone through it i haven't i haven't done it i've definitely (laughs) been on the receiving end of this um but it's such a low like it's a high stakes but very mundane task you're just taking cards no it's very um I, I don't know if it's like if you can really call it like white collar criminal because they're not white collar, yeah. but like it, it's not a violent crime. And that's something that they establish. But then, like, of course, because this is a really expertly crafted film in some ways, I think they do a good job of gradually rationing up the stakes and showing you the the realities of the situation of, mm-hmm. of that type of, uh, I guess, lifestyle. I don't know. Uh, but I think the way in which it handles those moments, it's just like expertly done, uh, tense, uh, tense, you know, filmmaking. There's a few moments where it's just like, it's just a little bit of like that kind of feeling like you're on, on the edge of like a downhill, like you're about, you know, something's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, Plaza, as we mentioned, is so, so good here. Um, even though it's like not a very funny part, she's so convincing and so real. Uh, the accent, I can attest, is like pretty accurate. Um, she's supposed to be from yeah, New Jersey, I, right? Yeah, she's supposed to be kind of not too far from my area, actually. Um, but And she's from Delaware, so she must have some familiarity with go. like the region. But And shout out um, Theo, dude. Theo said that he came in very, three very Three days before filming because whoever was there prior dipped and they had to find him, bring him in. I thought he killed it, dude. I thought he did a really good job with it. I think they play off well uh, with each other. And he had also shouted out another movie, which anytime I can mention this, he said his biggest inspiration was a prophet. He said he wanted to film a prophet, but in the streets of L.A., which he said ends up becoming, you know, Michael Mann film. But nonetheless, a prophet is exactly what I would like say that this is in the vein of because it very much is someone who is outside of the system just trying to make it gets thrown into a position where they end up becoming exactly what they were you know the criminal that they weren't before but were forced to become uh if you have not seen Mm -hmm. the prophet do yourself a favor catch that movie and go catch emily the criminal because it's definitely worth the watch yeah definitely agree Uh, a strong recommendation on emily the criminal uh yeah and I don't know if there's much more to say. Like it, it's definitely like solid. It has moments of some melodrama, but I think it just it's 
all overall elevated with those performances and just an excellent low stake. Uh, not, I don't want to say low stakes, but like excellent like low key crime yeah. drama. High stakes, I low would key. say. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's give a quick mention to Bodies, 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 because it did expand into more theaters over the weekend, and we're seeing more and more reactions from people, a lot of positives, some negatives, some mixed, but um, I I'm still really in favor of this movie. We dropped our after-credits review of the film, so if you want to see more extended thoughts on what we thought check of this A24 horror comedy whodunit, check it out. We even talk about why we feel like uh, the twists work, and if you th feel People like that's a split. spoiler... What twist? What twist are we talking about? People I don't know. have been split uh, yeah, on it, though. People that's have been, been very split interesting. on it. And I don't know if you saw that one bit where there was a review that it was between two critics, and for whatever reason, the outlet decided to spin it as old critic versus young critic. And the <laughs> yeah. older critic had been there for a while. And it's been a big push for the marketing in this movie. I don't know if you want to say it's attributed from the movie itself. But a lot of people who are covering the film seem to really push this idea of if you're old, you're not going to get it. I think there's a lot of interest, interesting as thematics that the movie's going through that may also relate to how we're uh, approaching it in real life. But yeah. I'd say no matter what age you are, the movie authentically covers its generation. And if you're an older yeah. person who doesn't know how younger people talk and you're going to go in there going like, oh, why aren't they talking like your generation? Then you're not expecting a real movie. But then at the same mm -hmm. time, I also think it's bogus to say that older people just aren't going to get it because they don't get it. That's not a way to attract new people, in my opinion. But that's A24 marketing for you, I guess. I would highly recommend yeah, I mean it. The whole cast is great. I think the film does a strong enough job of like detailing the types of characters it's discussing and sort of where everybody's viewpoint is that like it shouldn't really matter if you're not necessarily of the generation right? to really like get the, well, all the all the references or all the lingo. It, it's more of like the way in which they turn in on each other that I think matters not only to the movie but to like where the movie goes. Right. Yeah. Well, we have a whole after credits. Definitely go check that out. Yeah. Uh, like Zach was saying, it's no spoilers at the beginning to convince you to go see the movie. Catch it with a bunch of friends and then come talk about it. We'll see how people feel on that ending. I think it's worth it. I think once it comes out on VOD, I hope it gets uh, an even bigger push. All right. Well, let's wrap up what is in theaters by talking about Fall. This is the new release from Lionsgate, directed by Scott Mann, about best friends Becky and Hunter who pushed the limits by climbing to the top of a 2,000-foot radio tower when suddenly they find themselves with no way back down. Art, this is definitely the most... Uh, uh, is it agrophob agrophobic? Is it the fear of heights? I think it is. It's called Hell No, I'm Not Going Up There. I, yeah. I don't know what it is, but yeah. This, <laughs> this is that the movie. It, it's definitely the most acrophobic. That's what the word there is. I've felt since the Robert Zemeckis movie, uh, The Walk, where it's the, the God, man, man on wire, on wire story. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. This what better. was your experience of this watching Fall? You thought this was better. Okay. Uh, no, 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 no. Not as a drama, right? Not as a drama. Not as a dialogue. Yeah. Not as the acting. But the way they shot this thing, my palms mm. were sweaty, bro. I was at the edge of my seat. I felt nauseous. I felt anxious. I go to see mm -hmm. how they filmed this thing because they're supposed to be 2,000 feet up in the air. I already wasn't going to do it, Zach, but now for a fact, I know. <laughs> if I ever see a tower, I'm not going to climb it. Nah. They did film this on top of a mountain, 
100 feet up in the air. They built a tower for it. They had them up Hmm. there the entire time. And especially as you see from the poster, when they're stranded up there, the actors are up there getting hit by the wind. They're up there, you know, for hours doing that thing. You hear the wind. You hear the clackling of the metal. I think this is one of the most effective movies at what it's going for. It comes from the producers who did uh, 47 Meters Down. And they've been joking. Mm. They've been calling this 47 meters up. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I think just like that movie, you're getting something that's going to have this really big tension uh, riding throughout the whole film. It's this push and pull where, you know, if you suffer from vertigo, you're going to throw up in this movie. And then they reel it back a little bit with the dialogue that's happening between these two friends and the Mm buildup. What was originally a short story expanded into a feature. And I I think you feel it within their dialogue. Um, Yeah. But I'm praising the way that it's able to just uh, always find an inventive way with, with these girls who are stuck at the top to capture like a scary position of being up there. Is it a dumb position to be in? 100%. Is it mm-hmm. a thrilling movie? Absolutely, dude. Um, did you enjoy it as much as I did? I mean, I don't know if enjoy is necessarily the right word because I was also just like... Uh, feeling right? my skin try to like rip itself off my body. I, I was like not comfortable with a lot of the visuals mm. in this movie. And I think scene? that speaks. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it really speaks to the, to the credit of the filmmakers that they're able to evoke that just like, uh, <laughs> you know, like uh, sympathetic fear on behalf of the, the mem- you know, the people in the movie. Cause like, you know, we're safe at home, but just seeing the positions they're putting themselves in is so uncomfortable. Uh, and lest you feel like, Oh, why were, why are they doing that? Oh, it's so unrealistic. I mean, they're, they're doing the stuff that all these like extreme, uh, you know, adventures on social media and stuff are doing. They even get that like photo hanging off the edge that I hate whenever I see anyone does on a skyscraper or something yes. in real life. I, I hate it. It might uh, never ever do that. But, uh, it, you know, it feels like they're actually sort of commenting on a thing that is happening, right? It's not yeah. like the they're completely uh, fictional ideas here. Um, some of the, some of the, interpersonal drama is sort of leans on the side of melodrama and is kind of maybe a bit like hokily written. Um, it, and I think that's maybe why some people are, are not fully embracing this, but ultimately like the interpersonal drama is not why you go to a movie like this. Exactly. You go to it for the thrills, for that visceral feeling of like it, that, that you wouldn't ever put yourself up a 2000 foot exactly. tower, but this is going to make you feel like that. Mm-hmm. And, I agree with you. Maybe there are moments where it feels stretched. They're like looking for more reasons to keep them up there almost in a way, but it never really feels like cheap, right? Like I I think the, the feelings it gives you feel earned. And I, I even think some of the places that the story goes in the latter half, some of the like twists it takes are are really well executed too. Mm. I was pleasantly surprised this this movie turned out much better than i was expecting to when i started it he said that they filmed this in uh not imax cameras but imax sized cameras and the ratio Mm. on this bad boy is it's pretty tall uh for whatever reason you are able to see this in imax bless your soul try try to take i don't know whatever can relax you and go into this because this is yeah i i'm curious to see people who have seen this in the theater what their reactions might be because i thought it was crazy right. uh, i'm not sure if it was you who mentioned it but it's like the one only trivia that they have in the imdb and people had brought it up about the pg-13 rating 
Yeah, I was going to bring it. this up later, but let's talk about it now. Uh, this <laughs> is weird. Uh, yeah, this movie originally had 30-plus F-bombs in it, uh, but Lionsgate, when acquiring the movie, was concerned about how much an R rating was would affect its box office potential. So the filmmakers used deepfake technology to change over 30 uses of the word fuck into frickin' or slept with or or whatever. A lot did of frickin'. Did you notice this while watching the movie or did you only notice afterwards? Again, I didn't care for the dialogue. It's very corny. Yeah. But I, I would have never figured that they did that. So I'm not gonna lie. It's effective for that for that sense. Yeah. Corny though, to have a scene where you have someone saying friggin' <laughs> a lot. But I just find it funny that the movie where they're two thousand feet up in the air, that's where their VFX budget was. <laughs> Right. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? But it's so funny. Uh, I, I don't know. That's it. Seems like that's going to be a new thing for uh, future movies. But yeah, I don't. I know. I mean, look, it, it's it's basically ADR, right? It's like a more complicated version of ADR. But usually, you got the so, back on someone's ADR. You know, someone's looking the other way. It's right. never been like full frontal i guess yeah it's, That's it's definitely bizarre and knowing this before i watched the movie i actually kind of noticed some of these instances like it's not interesting it's not perfectly perfectly smooth but you know as you can attest to it's smooth enough yeah right mm-hmm. um so I, I don't know it's not the most egregious use of this type of technology that i can think of in film and it's also done in a it's ultimately makes an affecting movie i i think you know, you can't really complain too much about it. Devesh uh, in the live stream asks, does it work better or worse without an antagonist like a shark? And, and that's a good question because I think this is sort of in the realm of films like, what is it, Deep Water or, or mm-hmm. whatever, where th- there's somebody in a perilous situation and they spend the duration of the movie trying to figure their way out of it. Um, I think it doesn't really matter that it's like not a a physical anta- or like a, a living antagonist like mm-hmm. a shark or like wolves or something like that uh because like it, it's it's this obstacle right it still is this thi- situation that they have to figure their way out of it's almost more like an all is lost where he he's stranded rather than there's something necessarily yep. attacking him um but yeah that i thought it worked perfect perfectly well and maybe even better because you're not like trying to get in the mind of a shark you know exactly plus they have their drama i guess in the back that you could attest to but yeah uh they had also sh- shouted out free solo as a big inspiration which you have to. You can You tell. have to. Uh, but yeah. what I like that he said about that one, which we highly recommend, I think it's over on Disney+. Plus. It, it's somewhere. We got to catch this in IMAX, and this is a movie that's a documentary about uh, Alex, I forget, Alex Arnold? Honnold? Uh, Honnold, who yeah. Who solos. That means he doesn't have any rope. He's got nothing. He is going up there by himself. Um, but they specifically said it was the psychology of how you view it from his perspective. So you having a drone that high isn't going to do anything. But when you see it from like the perspective of a, of a person looking down, that scares mm-hmm. you more. And I'm like, that's what I like to hear. Taking the aspects of it that will actually be effective. And it was effective. So if you're ready to be scared, fall. Definitely a, a nice little thriller. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's some people being maybe a little too harsh on this. It's it's an effective movie and, and solid for what it is. So for sure, I, I think we both would recommend fall. Uh, let's move into some of these streaming options and start with 
Day Shift over on Netflix. This is the latest action thriller comedy slash 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 uh, produced by Netflix. I feel like another attempt by them to see if they can get some kind of franchise going, get some kind of excitement in general around one of their original properties. Uh, This one stars Jamie Foxx as a vampire killer uh, who goes around Los Angeles picking off vampires and trying to uh, sell the fangs for money. Uh, It's an interesting film. You have some other people alongside him, including Snoop Dogg and Dave Franco. Uh, He and Dave Franco end up in kind of like a buddy cop sort of dynamic opposites uh, attract kind of thing. Yeah. But Dave Franco also doesn't even show up in this movie until 31 minutes in. And I think that to me was part of my issue in it is is there's way too much just like establishing way too much padding in this movie and not enough just cutting to the chase. Like there are some exhilarating moments. I don't know if the action is overall super exciting, but there are moments of intensity. There's moments of intensity throughout. I don't know if I like the entire scenes were good, but there's moments where like, I'm like, Oh wow. Mm -hmm. Um, but like it just takes too long to get to a lot of it, and it feels like there's a too little of it there by the time that the plot really kicks into gear. Uh, just felt like there was too much padded onto this movie, and and not quite enough substance. You didn't like when Jamie Fox, the vampire hunter of over like two decades, and <laughs> what's his name, who is an official for like the Vampire Association tell each other the rules and not to the audience. Yeah. <laughs> they just do a whole exactly. breakdown. You don't know that this vampire does it. It's like, y'all know this already. Why are you talking to Here's all to the each- stuff you need for the wiki. Yeah, literally, they're like, and then there's this house of vampires and this house of vampires and they don't hang out with each other. And it's like, who are you explaining this to? They're like vets in this game. Um, yeah, you know, Jamie Foxx has his nice little one-liners. He's still got it. He's doing his action yeah. pieces. Snoop Dogg isn't in it as much as I thought he was going to be, man. I thought he was going to be in it a lot more. Nah. He comes in kind of no, the way they like, advertise the, the way they yeah. advertise him. You think he's going to be a supporting actor and he's like an extended cameo. Yeah. Almost like if you're doing like Zombieland, he was supposed to be like the uncle character. He's supposed to be uh whatever uh, Woody's character would have been, but not necessarily. Um, Megan Good was fantastic in the movie. Megan is always yeah. good. I love how he like cast Never complain about Megan. Only got the side, only got the side kiss, Jamie. Um, <laughs> but overall, I would say like if you're going into this movie, it's because you just want to see vampires get killed. Uh, this is for yeah. the fans of people who like like Abraham uh, Lincoln Vampire Killer. You're not really building up a lore here that's going to be as exciting as Netflix wants it to be. But you just want to see like what crazy type of massacres can they pull? And I think they deliver in that. Right. It's very uh, overly yeah. CGI, but I guess that's the point. No, I mean, I think one thing that's interesting is this almost is a little bit more like World War Z um, than like a typical vampire or zombie film in that like it's not about precise hunts against one or two people. This is like there's multiple scenes of just dozens and dozens of onrushing villains. And that's sort of like the dynamic energy of it. It's like a like a mean. zombie okay. slaughter rather than like your traditional vampire hunter movie. Um but it's it yeah, there's fun moments in it for sure. Like it feels almost video gamey in the way they take down yes. uh, a lot of these en- enemies. Um I don't know. I, I think Jamie Foxx is pretty good at elevating this kind of material being the kind of I'm like Jamie. A, Cool. Yeah. yeah, coolest guy in the room, unaffected, like sort of like the Will Smith-esque kind of action vibe. Um, I don't know. I dig it. I mean, I'd, 
I dig it in moderation. I don't in know. Moderation. I dig I, in moderation. What right? do you it's, think it's, of them bringing up Twilight in a world where vampires exist? That Twilight is there. You know the vampires would have gotten together, canceled right. the movie because of the representation that it was given. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, and it's, we'll it's the stuff like that. I feel like is a little bit just sweatier and and desperate to be a cheap like, joke to try to connect. Yeah. Yeah, turned into screenshots for Twitter. So I don't know. I, I kind of feel like this is sort of how I felt about about Bullet Train last week, and that it's really? like there's there's elements that make me want to like it more, but it's just it not. I think Bullet Train's a better movie than this one, but just like they're both going after the same kind of vibe, and yeah. they feel like they need a little bit more cooking. I don't know. I think the action's better in Bullet Train, but the drama I could care less yeah. on both of these. I I don't care yeah. about the personal yeah. stories. I can't wait till we finally get another action movie. Where we could also get the drama side of it. Just not this <laughs> right. week. All right. Let's talk about the latest release for HBO. This is another movie that first premiered back at Sundance earlier this year, although we didn't get the chance to catch it no, then. It uh, yeah, it did get a chance to catch it now. It is The Princess. And no, we are not talking Joey King. We are talking about Princess Diana. It's a new documentary uh, that chronicles her life and interestingly, in this documentary, it's all assembled through different pieces of news footage. Yes, sir. Uh, there's no there's no talking heads that are putting things into context. There's not even really text on screen to kind of place you in a certain year or a certain time or a certain place. You just kind of are listening to different people's thoughts. And oftentimes, they're not even Diana's own words in the documentary. She... she probably has like less than five minutes of spoken dialogue, dialogue, if that's what you want to call mm -hmm. it, uh, spoken, you know, documentary footage uh, in the length of this documentary. So you really do get a glimpse at how she was just picked apart and pulled apart yes. and commented on and, and analyzed and overanalyzed. And it, it's just really does put you into, into like the perspective of someone who might be, so hounded by the media, by the paparazzi mm. to literally the, the lengths of her life. Uh, I thought this was extremely effective. I, I thought it was a really fascinating way to chronicle somebody whose life was lived so publicly. Um, yeah, I think it's a pretty excellent piece of documentary filmmaking. What did you think about the princess? Nah, it was great, especially because of her life and how much reporters and the news and these archives mm -hmm. affected. <laughs> affected is like, the wrong word to use considering how her story ends but it is a the best pov to understand her story how everybody had an opinion uh how everybody was judging her in that sense and just letting you almost go through what the people would have been consuming at that time mm -hmm. how it affect how people's opinions on her were affected by how other people's opinions of if that makes any sense you know it was like a, a, yeah, a yeah, game yeah. of telephone almost about what somebody else thought of her and it's crazy to see a lot of the like on the street talks with people and how they pick her apart seeing uh there'd, there'd be like news shows or there'd be like talk shows that are just breaking her down all of the newspapers that were made from her there's a really good version of this on netflix where it's all in her own words if you wanted her from her perspective but hmm. sticking with archives allows it to be very unbiased you're getting right. everyone's perspective and then the story unfolds in a way where whatever you may think of Princess Diana may not be how those events actually unfolded. I'm, mm -hmm. I don't remember her. <laughs> you know, I only know the stories said of her. 
So right. it was really interesting to see the breakdown of how they were presenting themselves to the public uh, and just the sequence of, of events and how it led up to it. The movie is also mm-hmm. available for free, which I think is really awesome, uh, online. You go to YouTube. Yeah, I didn't realize HBO that. has presented the whole movie right there, full documentary. So it's very cool. if you don't have HBO, still a good way to catch it right there for free. Yeah, and definitely worthwhile. I, I would say, like, I'm not a person who is overly familiar with the royal family. I, I like you. Like, obviously, you you hear you things, and them. Diana's a name who, like, you know, whether it's even through watching movies like Spencer and stuff like that, you just you find out things. As somebody who doesn't necessarily feel like the most knowledgeable about the royal family, I still found this to be a very fascinating piece of filmmaking because it really, it, it just transports you to another time too, right? Like, cause it's not just how she's being picked apart, but like she was being picked apart in a certain way because of the, the era. Um, mm. And, and I, I don't know, it's just, it's very transportive. Even if you don't necessarily have all the context for everything, yeah. It's very, very effective. Even when it's archived, it's pretty emotional because there's this one piece, without spoiling too much, where they decide to focus on, you know, when she dies, not through news footage, but home video of a bunch of mm. dudes watching the news footage. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought that worked. If It was very the, effective, was in my a, opinion. One of the most memorable clips from the documentary, absolutely. 100%. Uh, Magnitude had also asked uh, if The Princess is a good movie to watch if you know nothing about her. I would say Yes, because it's even one of those where after you're done watching it, you just start discussing it. You end yeah. up like the people on the street in the dock from those interviews going, oh, well, I wonder if, you know, I think the queen did this. I think I think it was all right. Charles. I blame Charles. Uh, so and there's it's, a lot it's of not necessarily, talking points after. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, it's not necessarily one where you feel like you'll know her entire life story after watching it. It's more like you'll get a feeling of her life, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not, it's not facts being delivered to you, being, being recited to you. But if you want that, you can read Wikipedia, right? But yeah. but this is really like going to give you much more of an impression of of her character and also the character of the of the time. So yeah, yeah I mean, I think it's very effective if that if that's what you're looking for. Then I would say it's excellent and and worth being watched. For sure. All right, so that is The Princess, available now on HBO, as well as, as Art was mentioning, YouTube, which is pretty cool. Uh, One more quick streaming option that we did shout out briefly last week. It's available now. I Am Groot, a series of shorts starring Marvel's cuddliest. I don't know if cuddliest is the right word, but maybe cutest creation. Uh, the the baby version of Groot as well. They they didn't want to age him up too much for this miniseries. Uh, yeah, it was just very quick watch. It's kind of like those um, what is what the is it forty shorts, shorts that they yeah. did after Toy Story four. Yeah. Um, I, I also noted the thing that I noted watching them is I felt like the animation was also significantly better than you normally get from Marvel properties. I don't know if it's because a they're so short or b because it's like almost entirely CGI. But it feels like they gave them more time to get the details right to make it look beautiful than they yeah. they do their movies. Which Usually. I don't know if that says anything, but <laughs> I, I noticed it at least. They um, know Groot's. I don't know Groot's man. Their bread and butter. Yeah, yeah. It's they're cute enough. I kind of wonder like who this is really for, but I, they're cute the enough. Vin Diesel's family. 
I, I really like the one with Rocket. I thought that one was pretty cute. But they're so fast. Like, even if you think they're pointless, they're done before you can complain. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I would say out of the little like one shot stuff that they've done, this is kind of cute. It fills that space in between what is it, Guardians one and two, when he's still a child and as he grows up. If you needed something in the background, something to watch, I am group. Pretty should decent. they sh- should they just have done these like Pixar shorts before all the future movies leading up to Guardians three? <sighs> so you want a before that been credits too smart. and you want an after credits, bro? You want a before <laughs> movies? They only know after credits at this point. They what they. Sh- <laughs> I don't know. I think we're already spending too much time in the movies. I, they need some content at yeah. home. This is what I like, I guess, uh, uh, for consuming on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the streaming TV shows. Uh, there are two we want to talk about this week, and I think the one we're most excited about is A League of Their Own. Solid. Amazon Prime Video's new series adapting the 80s comedy of the same name. This one stars Abby Jacobson, Darcy Carden, many others as well. Uh, Abby Jacobson is also the co-writer of the show, co-creator. Yep of this adaptation so takes a takes on a big role in guiding the the tone of the series um and despite being set uh during world war ii it's got kind of a very modern feel to the dialogue and to the rhythm of uh the show like there are definitely elements that are intentionally dated but overall it feels a lot more like watching broad city than it does like watching a period piece and Mm -hmm. i gotta say like that's a to me that's a great decision i think it gives the show a pretty excellent contemporary vibe and uh allows them to make some like interesting sort of juxtapositions from like the time period to the attitudes of the characters i only have caught the first one so far but i thought it was delightful and I'm, i'm just eager to watch more of it art I know you've had a chance to watch all of them. So mm-hmm. what do you think about Amazon's A League of Their Own? That's pretty solid. Uh, Darcy, who I'm pretty sure when you first saw her in Broad City, she was ripped as can be. Yeah, you could tell she plays baseball. Like They were in there yeah. uh, going all in into the sport. I, I'm a big sports film guy, so I like the not just the underdog story, but the idea of a team working together, all the obstacles that they go through. It hits all those beats in here. Obviously, like you said, they add a lot of contemporary elements, which, look, I won't lie. I find it funny, but I did also get distracted by that. Like, there are moments where they're able to mesh it in well, where someone can have not necessarily contemporary thought, but, you know, something that they would be feeling at that moment that they're not allowed to disclose during that time period. Then there are other times where, yes, it feels like they just wrote Broad City put it in the movie or put it in, a, in an episode, even though that's not how they would be discussing things. Um, nonetheless, I enjoyed all of the characters. I think they all bring different dynamics to the group, what they're all trying to do to make it uh, the obstacles of, you know, being the female baseball league uh, and not it not being looked upon as being as big as um, uh, what would be the majors. On top of that, you mm-hmm. also have the fact that there's a black character who's not allowed to be on the team. So they're going through their own uh, journey there alongside there being a war, which is the main reason why people are coming to see them to begin with, because all the guys are at war. Uh, No, I thought it was a pretty funny show. I'm a big fan of the original movie as well. And you do get a couple of cameos from the original cast. Uh, Not all of them, but some here and there. So I would catch it if you are a fan of Broad City or any of the actresses that are in here. Uh, And if you're a sports fan, I think it it hits on the sports stuff and then obviously gets into Mm -hmm. a lot more of uh, the women's dynamic in that period in time so i would recommend it all eight episodes are already up on amazon prime 
Very cool. Uh, just taking a look at the extended cast, there are a lot of pretty cool names here. We already mentioned Abby Jacobson and Darcy Carden. I was really excited to see uh, Kate Berlant, who we already talked about uh, from her her special a couple months ago with John yeah. Hurley. Uh, but for me, one of the standouts already is Molly Ephraim, who's playing May uh, Maybell. I don't mm -hmm. know if anybody stood out to you uh, through what you've watched that's maybe not like just Abby or, or Darcy, if, if Kate has more to do as the series yeah. goes along. Um, well, I, I really liked uh, Shantae Adams' character, what they were going through mm. with the drama, just that spunkiness of like, you're not going to tell me what to do. I know that I can make it. And then sometimes she makes right. a fool out of herself doing that. Uh, I also like Lupe's character and Esty's character. Uh, they build to like what I would say is one of the most emotional scenes in the series, both of them being... Uh, Latinas who have come in and <laughs> she technically has to be the translator for her. So it's almost like this mother daughter thing that's going on. Um, but I just love how the whole cast works together. Uh, Jess would be another one. Kelly's character who is sort of like the glue. She's like the Papa Ross of the baseball team. So I, I just, nice. they work so well as a team and that's why it's such an effective baseball uh, series. So what I highly recommend. Very cool. I'm excited to spend more time with, a league of their own over on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, one more TV show here. Let's talk about The Anarchist, which wrapped up its six-episode run over on HBO. This is a show from Blumhouse Productions about uh, events that unfold, unfold over the series of six, six years in... A, a, let me just start that from the top. Uh, events that unfold over six years in Acapulco, Mexico, as a group of anarchists commune and try to develop a community there. Uh, this is a pretty interesting documentary, of course, following a bunch of different anarchists who are all convening to try and uh, promote different aspects of that type of lifestyle and try to preach that to a larger community while developing their own community within under the ethos of uh, anarchy. And I just think it's a very fascinating show. Uh, through six episodes, I think one of the things they did is not only illustrate the difficulty of trying to establish a community among people with competing philosophies and competing ideas of what something means, you know, just because you all call yourselves anarchists doesn't necessarily mean you're all anarchists, as I think we, you know, we all know from our own lives, just because we call ourselves something doesn't mean we agree with other people who call ourselves that thing. Um, but beyond that, as the show continues, they, they show just how difficult it is to try and establish your own system within another system and, and how mm -hmm. the, the world makes it very hard to go against the world. And, I, you know, ultimately, I think it's what's cool about it is it is both an endorsement of and a warning about anarchy in different ways. Like it's it's touting the aspects of it that are admirable and potentially, you know, idealist and also being cognizant of the real dangers that exist within trying to go against everyone. And uh, I don't know, 
it's it took some turns that I wasn't expecting. It became a lot more about like this insular community of a couple different people and the drama that they were going through than I expected from the beginning. But it's a fascinating story, and I thought it was pretty well told. I, I do wish there were maybe some more details about how this community was able to sustain itself through all well, of this. Those are the Aside secrets. Just that saying, they can't have that. I mean, they kind of just like they're just like, oh, Bitcoin. That's uh-huh. what did it. You gotta, you gotta go to the, <laughs> it's you like, gotta go to the meetings for that. Right, right. But I don't know. It, I, I think it's worthwhile. I think it was exciting to watch and um, pretty well done. So I, I would also recommend people check out Anar- the Anarchists on HBO if you're curious about it. All right. Cool, cool. So those are our what we're watchings. Let us know in the live stream or in the comments down below or by emailing us at intercutpod at gmail.com if you are what you have been watching as well so we can talk about it on future episodes of what we are watching uh we don't have any yay or nays this week but before we get to the new to see i do want to give a shout out to the intercuity patrons those wonderful people who support the podcast through patreon.com they are ewan julieta garrett tim elizabeth josh ashley marion michael d a matt and die the list growing longer every week shout out to all of you as well as our academy level members all of y'all in the inner circle, they are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, Pete, Sean, May, and Ricky. Big shout out to all of them. But of course, the biggest shout out and our biggest thanks to those producer level patrons, the ones in the, the fancy director chairs sitting, watching from behind the scenes. They from are the awkward. Yeah, the Video Village people, they are awkward. And you, Denver, thank you so much. Thanks to all of you for the support. And a reminder that you too can become a member of the Intercuties at patreon.com slash intercutpod, where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to intercut episode outlines, access to private channels in the intercut discord, a peek at our intercut brackets before we film those episodes, and an invitation to our monthly patron Google meetings. I think our next patron Google meeting is going to be next week. Gotta gotta figure out what time with art, but yeah, it's not too late to sign up for as little as one dollar a month over on patreon.com slash intercut pod and hang out with us, argue movies with us, let us know your your big and small movie opinions and uh we'll we'll debate them a, a little bit. Art. You ready to um, he- head to the new to see? Look, we're at the end of August. We'll see. Is it better to go to theaters or is it better to stay at home, Zach? Let's break them down. All right. New to see. Starting on August 15th, this today, the premiere (laughs) of the 10-part docuseries Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers. The reply. This is the reply. (laughs) The true story. I like that. The true story. Right, right. They got to underline true there. The press email says, from the Lakers CEO and controlling owner, Jeannie Buss. <laughs> so oh, they, uh, okay. the Buss family, not so happy about their Dang. treatment in HBO's winning time, responding with a 10-part docuseries 
Two episodes are premiering wow. today, followed by one episode weekly, and they're pulling out all the big LA Lakers to for interviews in this one, including LeBron James. I saw that. Um, yeah, I want to see what Kareem has to say, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I, We'll see how how interesting this documentary is because as we've talked about in the past, sometimes those documentaries that are produced by the subjects of them aren't the most in depth. Yeah. But um, there's a lot to talk about with the Lakers. So Dude, we'll see. Antoine Fuqua. Yeah, let's go. Oh, okay, I'm gonna be tuning in. Yeah, uh, tomorrow, August sixteenth, when I consume you hits VOD. This is a new horror film about a woman and her brother seeking revenge mm. against a mysterious stalker. Some pretty good reviews on this one. I think we're both trying to catch this one, and maybe we'll have some thoughts on it for uh, next we'll week's podcast. For sure. Yeah. On August 17th, Look Both Ways hits Netflix. Art, I think this was one that you were uh, looking forward was, to as yeah. well. Uh, they sent us a screener to this. I believe this is the movie because this week there's like a limited series. There's a movie. This sounded interesting because yeah. it's supposed to be, uh, I want to say her name's Lily from Riverdale fame. Lily Reinhardt. She, yeah, yeah, she has to figure out what reality she's going to take. The one where she gets pregnant or the one where she's not. We'll see how it plays out. You know, it is a Netflix movie. It could not be good, but the premise yeah, kind of intrigued like, me. Yeah, it's like sliding doors, but with a pregnancy, right? Exactly. And, and streaming. Yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting. Um, also, Wednesday, August 17th, She-Hulk, attorney at law. <laughs> the latest Marvel Disney Plus show. This one starring Tatiana Maslany, as well as a slew of returning Marvel faces like Mark Ruffalo and Benedict Wong. Uh, getting Tim Roth as Abomination. We're getting Jamila Jamil. I believe is supposed to be the antagonist of this show. Uh, we are not supposed to comment on it, even no. though they've sent us a couple episodes, but Please. we will have some thoughts on the show before, yeah. next week. Can't for tell sure. you that I'm waiting for them yeah. to finish the CGI. That's crazy from the trailer. I can't <laughs> wait to finish the CGI from the trailer. <laughs> You're not looking forward to this. This one hasn't like with Tatiana, that hasn't been a, a thing for you. I just Oscar feel Isaac like the <laughs> baited you. And then you realized that's ah, the they thing. got me with Oscar. Right. They're lying to me. Yeah, they they did, already did a show with Mark with a uh, Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke, and I didn't really enjoy most of it. So I don't know if I'm going to sign up for the Tatiana Maslany show. I, I might wait for some positive reviews before. <laughs> Keep um, waiting. <laughs> <laughs> the She-Hulk. Uh, it's right. weekly, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's to. three episodes of, or two or three episodes of first, and then weekly. Really? Well, I, that's why they pushed Andor. That makes sense then. So okay. Yeah. Uh, then on August 18th, we're getting the return of Cuphead for season two. Although we were talking about this after Tom. last week's stream. Uh, it is labeled season two, but these episodes have been done for a long time. This is just some like Netflix trickery in order to get yeah. around paying That's for so uh, an increase between seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Zach was breaking down that technically they had gotten the 20 something. So you could see right here that even IMDb has it that season one goes up to 12 and then it continues almost as a part B with all the other episodes. But yeah, uh, maybe Zach will link the link down below. It was really interesting to hear that, how they're screwing over yeah. animators by getting more episodes from them, but then not having to pay them what they should for a second season. Scummy, scummy, scummy. 
Show looks fine. Yeah. It looks good, though. Good animation. <laughs> Can't uh, then I'm also curious about, on August 18th, uh, Glorious. This is a new horror movie starring J.K. Simmons as, like, a mysterious voice of some kind. I don't know. That's what the reviews what? out of Fantasia this year were alluding to. Uh, I'm trying to know as little as possible, po- but okay. it's on shutter this Thursday. So I'm probably going to catch nice. this one. Cause it, yeah, people were really hyped on it when it played Fantasia. Cool. I like JK's last horror movie whiplash. <laughs> on Friday, August 19th, anonymous club, the Courtney Barnett documentary that we've both given pretty positive reviews to on the past and intercut is continuing to expand to more and more theaters across the country, including arts backyard of Chicago. It's going to get some screenings of beautiful uh, anonymous club. So yeah, if you're still looking forward to that Courtney Barnett documentary, uh, you get a chance to catch it soon. Uh, also on August 19th, babysitter, the s- Another Sundance alumni. This is like a meet me too sex comedy of sorts, but yeah. it's mostly just like people arguing about microaggressions and stuff like that. I don't know. There's, there's things I liked in it, but okay. it was definitely not a movie that was one we should have watched at midnight. Nah, Alina liked it. it. The humor didn't work for me. It's about this guy who goes viral after he kisses like a news reporter and then they cancel him for it. And then he like, inverts that himself by like i don't know it was it was not for me but if people are interested in it like you said it should be a movie yeah uh beast probably the biggest release of the weekend hits theaters this is a new film with idris elba as a father of two teenage daughters who find themselves hunted by a massive rogue lion intent on proving himself the apex predator i mean look it's it's what is this, like Jaws with a lion? That sounds great. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. I'm there. Day one. Um, the only thing that I'm concerned about is that they uh, haven't been it? doing press screening. Well, that Look, I, I'm here for a movie where dude punches a lion, but that they're not doing the press screenings has me a little bit concerned. I, um, I have one for tomorrow. Know? Will I be going? I'm not sure, but it's yeah. Idris. I'm going to be there to support him. Yeah. Also, on Friday... Orphan First Kill goes to Paramount Plus, the sequel to Orphan, also with Isabel Furman returning. Art, uh, I I think we're allowed to talk about this one already, so you've had a chance to check it out. We'll talk about it more next week. Just give us a quick preview. I'm a big fan of of the first Orphan. Go watch the first Orphan. Hopefully not not knowing anything, don't even watch the trailer to this one. Uh, Because I will test for the first one. This second one does some stuff. They just needed a little bit of a better director, but I'm still going to half recommend <laughs> Orphan First Kill as a streaming release because this is one that you want to watch at home. A couple of buddies just be like, "What? Just, why did they take the story this way? Um, not yeah. a great movie, but still, at least it's keeping to the DNA of the Orphan franchise. Who would have thought? I don't know how they got Isabel back in to being a 10-year-old. Like, how? How did they do this? Yeah, like the actress has grown and they still find a way to do it. Uh, Some trickery going on there. But (laughs) Orphan First Kill, it's going to be in theaters and Paramount Plus. Um, Watch it on Paramount Plus. You don't have to get out for it. All right, cool. Um, Also in theaters and on AMC Plus is Spin Me Round. This is the new film written and directed by Jeff Baina, also co-written by Alison Brie, about a woman who finds herself on an all-expense-paid trip to Florence 
and potentially at the in the middle of something much larger. Mm -hmm. uh, this one lured us in with the promise <laughs> like of this. Aubrey Plaza and Allison Brie and Ben Sinclair and Molly Shannon and Fred Armisen and Zach Woods and, and Tim Heidecker. Like a, and, and a, a scooter shot that never appears in the movie. Uh, and it's it's kind of kind of just goes nowhere, you know. And the thing that I think frustrates me is it's a little bit the movie is a little bit about false anticipation, but that doesn't mean it's good if it also gives you false anticipation. Exactly. Um, I don't know. I think this is a skip it. I'm just generally not okay a big fan of Jeff Baina's films. I you feel know, you. The guy behind behind the Little Hours and Life After Beth yeah. and Joshi. Just it's eh. in the same realm for me too. Like I don't want to say skip it. But it's definitely background watching. I, I like the whole cast. They're, they're really cool, but I agree yeah. with you. It doesn't really build up to what it thinks it's building up to. There's climaxes that happen. It's just not a story arc climax that happens in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about Sprung, which yeah. premieres on Amazon Freebie on Friday. This is the new show created by Greg Garcia, who's previously done My Name is Earl and Raising Hope. He's brought back Garrett Dillahunt, as well as Martha Plimpton from Raising Hope for this new show. Uh, Kate Walsh appears in this new show, as well as a few other people. Uh, it's a pretty... Con pretty interesting show feels very much a piece with his other shows that kind of like kind of broadish but not super like set in reality like it's set in reality but not super realistic or docudrama-ish it's very silly right his mm -hmm. shows and it, it feels of a piece with all of them i think the thing that is either going to be interesting to you or the reason you decide to completely skip the show is it's firmly set in march april 2020 this is like right in the days after covid has uh broken out and things have gone into lockdown and what's interesting about the show is it's about a bunch of inmates who are released from prison because they were releasing nonviolent inmates at the beginning of COVID and oh. then find themselves released into a world where everything is locked down and they're not able to get a new job. Uh, so they that start pulling so off schemes and <laughs> they start pulling off schemes and stuff like that. It's pretty interesting. And I think, you know, it even does the COVID stuff in a way that feels not forced and not hacky, but just okay. firm putting it in a place and time. Um, it's, it's a broadly written show, so it's not like the most, it's, you know, authentic feeling, but it's, it's silly. The characters are fun. The actors are good on it. I think if you like the kind of sitcoms that Greg Garcia does that you'll pretty much pretty thoroughly enjoy this one. So look, Freebie, it's, it's free. Might as well check out a couple episodes. I will say Freebie being part of prime. And I know if you watch Freebie stuff on prime, you don't even have to worry about the ads, but yep. that's their new thing that they're pushing. And Zach was watching this when he was over. You now explained why they were doing the stuff they were doing. I was like, this is not a normal family function, but that explains a lot. Uh, it looks right. pretty good for it to be a freebie original. So I'm very excited to mm -hmm. see what else they're going to be posting up. That's It's a good sign for it. So uh, I'm curious yeah. to visit it because some of the jokes while you're playing it out loud, they're pretty funny and funny cast. Yeah. All right. And let's wrap this up with a couple Sundance Some indies that I'm very excited about hey. this weekend. The Territory hits theaters. This was an award winner at Sundance, and mm -hmm. it's a National Geographic film about a network of Brazilian farmers who are seizing protected areas in the Amazonian rainforest and young indigenous leaders who must fight back to defend their homelands. It is a fascinating uh, documentary that is partially filmed by these indigenous 
indigenous people <sighs> documenting the destruction of their environments. I mean, it, you know, I think a lot of times with documentary filmmaking, you can feel like you're an outsider coming in to observe some people. Mm -hmm. And this one firmly plants you in the rainforest with the people who call it home in a way that I don't think you often get from these films. It, it's very effective and... It, particularly this back half of this film turns into a more intense thriller than most thrillers Yo. that are put out in Hollywood. Yes. I, I don't know, man. I can't, I can't recommend this one highly enough. I'm hoping that this one gets onto people's radar and is shortlisted by the Oscars and all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, was this the one that Aronofsky produced? Because I, I remember he did. Yes. Is this the one? Okay. Zach is 100% right. Uh, he had mentioned the wins that it got. Not only did it win the audience award for best documentary for the world cinema, it won a special jury award, which Zach and I are big fans of, for documentary craft. That's when they have to make up an award <laughs> because something did so well, they have to honor mm -hmm. it in some way. And he's right. Like, this is uh, Enough is Enough, the movie. Like, the way that the civilians rise up to go against them, definitely worth a watch uh, and just a topic and uh, a topic to, like, keep focus on. Absolutely. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that one in theaters and it'll eventually make its way to Disney+. Plus. Uh, another documentary in theaters this weekend that was at Venice, it was at Telluride, it was at Toronto, and it was at Sundance. It's three minutes a lengthening. This is a fascinating documentary that takes a three-minute snippet of 16-millimeter film that looked that was capturing life in a small Jewish in a small Jewish village at the precipice of World War II. And as the title says, lengthens it into a feature-length documentary that looks at this place and time, these people, and what happened to this area that was completely wiped out by the Holocaust, these people that were wiped out. Um, you know, it's just a very beautiful piece of filmmaking that, I, I said this at the time, but I think there's, it's hard to argue the power that film has better than just watching a film like this, that is able to yes. preserve the legacy of lost people. What's that say? <laughs> yeah. A beautiful, beautiful film. Another one that I'm hoping uh, gets onto uh, the awards radar for some people, but if it's playing anywhere near you, near you, near you, please, please check out three minutes, a lengthening. Uh, we're going to wrap up the new to see with one more thing because Sunday brings us the return yes, of Game of Thrones in the form of House of the Dragon, the latest HBO show taking place in Westeros. This is hap this one takes place hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of years, I don't know, thousands of years maybe before the events of Game of Thrones. Uh and has a pretty interesting cast with people like Patty Considine and Olivia Cook that we like. Uh, Matt Smith as well. Uh, it's HBO has done a pretty interesting thing here in that they put into commission several different <laughs> Game of Thrones themed shows set in different periods of time, and they've they made one pilot that that got canceled. They uh, commissioned a few scripts that went nowhere. They decided that this is the one worth pursuing. Does that make you more or less excited to check this one out on Sunday? It's the little swimmer who could. It made it all the way. It survived, yeah, Zach. I, exactly. Look, I'm hoping good things for it. I'm hoping they learned from their lessons previously. But they already had a really well-oiled machine. Machine. They just need to continue that. So I'm 
I'm having high hopes for it. Uh, we had discussed last week. This is the one thing you're getting on HBO. They cleared the entire month. They said, we're not doing that Netflix one movie a week thing. You're getting eight. You're getting House of the Dragon. You're getting a new Game of Thrones uh, before we change to Discovery Merge or whatever that's going to be. So all the eggs are in one basket. This is the big release for them. I hope it delivers, man. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, I, I just like most people really enjoyed watching Game of Thrones with what felt like the entire world when that show was really yeah, hitting. Yeah, exactly. You know, when that show was hitting, it was so much fun to be in on. I'm just hoping for a little bit of a taste of that, you know? Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully this can deliver. Um, sure. But does that mean House of the Dragon is going to be one of your picks for the week? Uh, 100%. Yeah, that's probably the thing that I'm looking forward to the most uh, with Beast being out nice. in theaters and even there's going to be a Dragon Ball Z movie in IMAX. I am most excited to see this on my screen. It is the reason why I have the sound system that I have and the TV that I have because I remember moving into my apartments and getting everything ready for the finale of Game of Thrones. And I hope the pilot to the new Game of Thrones delivers more than that one mm-hmm. did. Uh, mm. I also have, as I pull it up over here, E.T., which is really the only thing that I'll be leaving for uh, to go to theaters. It's out this weekend. It's going to do the entire week up until uh, next Friday to be able to catch the first time ever release of E.T., The Extraterrestrial. I love catching um Steven Spielberg's movies when they get the re-releases. I think this is the re-re-re-re-release of it. Uh, and then Jaws is going to be coming out in September. So I'm, I, I, I love when they take advantage of something where they're using the biggest scope that they can in theaters. You know, it's not like come mm-hmm. back to see Back to the Future in like our theater number thirteen <laughs> in the back. No, this is this is a full-on release. I am very excited to go catch it again, um, but for the first time in IMAX. So those are my picks for the week. What about you, Zach? For sure. Uh, I'll give another quick shout out to those two documentaries. We just mentioned The Territory and Three Minutes of Lengthening. Maybe they're playing near you this weekend. Maybe they won't be playing near you for a couple weekends, but whatever it is, they are must-watches, so keep them on your radar. Uh, But the thing that everybody should be catching up on or getting ready to watch, I think, right now, is the rehearsal. Uh, All five episodes that they sent to us are out now. So you've seen what we've seen and there's one episode left. And the fact that he has kept it secret, at least the, or somewhat hidden makes me Kinda. feel like there's another shoe to drop or, or something. Just a guy like Nathan Fielder, who is so expert at playing on our expectations and subverting them. Pretend I just feel like there's there's something else happening, and I don't know if it's like that this whole thing is going to turn into a rehearsal, or or I don't know what, but I know I need to watch it. So hopefully everybody is caught up or will catch up by Friday. Uh, next week, I'm sure we'll talk about whatever happens on the rehearsal and wrap up all our thoughts on that show. Uh, but yeah. I sent you the, the thing about the Reddit, yeah, the subreddit. Yeah. There's a subreddit <laughs> talking about the rehearsal that created an extra subreddit to make sure that they can rehearse what their post is going to be for the other subreddit. <laughs> the rehearsal first draft. It, I see you caught up good. on one thing, though. I did, and that is my other final pick for the week. I do want to give a shout-out to Hulu's The Bear, or FX on Hulu's The Bear, I That'd guess I should really say. That really hit, huh? You know what? I, it, it did. I'm still thinking about it, and... I, oh I can't stop thinking right about now. this show. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about this show, man. I, I was not quite ready for it when it came along. I wish they 
gave it to us a bit earlier, so I wasn't like in halfway through the year catch up mode. For sure. Uh, I wish they also didn't just dump it because it would have been a great show to watch week to week, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm really, really in on this show. I think it's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful balance of so many things that I like in that you get that kind of workplace drama aspect of it. The, this like eclectic cast of characters brought together for a specific reason that they all have different versions of why they're there for. But then it's also like this very charming look at all these different characters. You have a, a very fascinating backstory from, uh, from Carmi's character to the relationship with Richie. I'm, I'm really loving every little glimpse we get of the Marcus character and his like burgeoning love of high, uh, of like fine art baking. Um, yeah. And of course, I'm really, really loving Ayo Edabiri on the show as Sydney, who is so, so good with just these like dagger looks that she'll give in cutaways that that say more than words ever could. A, a lot there's of just wit. such a great, a, <laughs> there's such a great dynamic in that kitchen, and it's just electric to watch too. The filmmaking is so. Um, so fluid and so intense and it just feels dynamic with the constant movement. Uh, of course, episode seven is, is just wonderfully done in getting you on the edge of your seat and getting you more and more worried until things just boil over. It's a fantastic show. I wish, I, I wish we could just spend like more time talking about it. I'm definitely going to spend more time talking about it later in the year, whenever mm-hmm. we get to our best of the year easily list. Cause this is, Easily one of the best TV shows I've seen this yeah. this year. And I love how you said that it obviously would have been better going weekly, yet they mm-hmm. dropped it all and it's still got that buzz. That tells yep. you how how good the show is. Yeah, it, it's the first time I can remember since, what was it, uh, The Queen's Gambit, where a streaming show just kind of kept the hype going because people responded Bruh. so strongly to it. And, you know... I do think that the weekly dynamic is better for building buzz on a show, but when a show gets dropped all at once and it does break through like that, mm-hmm. you know it's really quality. <laughs> I've been getting texts, bro. So <laughs> my buddy, she texts me, she goes, yo, you remember that beef spot you took us to? <laughs> I just got the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, it's crazy. It's so good. She's like, I, 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 I want to... Uh, drop out of college and just be a, a line cook with a new port in my mouth. That's that's what it's it's changed for them. But I didn't realize how many people love uh, the boy Jeremy Allen White, dude. He has yeah. I didn't know he had that much of a fan base. He is, you know. I think we had Timothy Chalamet, and he was kind of like in that vicinity. Uh, he seems to be uh, everybody's white boy of the summer, at least for for this one. Um, I <laughs> thought he delivered. I thought he has some really good monologues in this, and uh, yeah. makes me want to go finish up my run of Shameless. Absolutely, yeah. He's so good on the show and, and clearly a star. I'm, I'm just glad it's going to be a show that hopefully sticks around for a bit. I, I was worried it'd only be one season long. It's been renewed for that second season. I'm worried about that second know, man, season, I'm, though. It seems like it's going to be too different. Maybe, but I'm just I'm excited to hang out in that kitchen. We'll see. Uh-huh. We'll see. And I also, and, and without talking, giving away too much about where the show goes, I think it'll be interesting to see see the build, right? Like one of the things that I really loved about Silicon Valley in the early years was seeing, seeing the build and seeing how the changes affected the dynamics. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if there'll be some of that going on in season two of the bear as well. For sure. Yeah. 
All right, so those were our picks for the week, and I think that's about all for this week's installment of Intercut. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, at ZShevich, that's Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H, and check out my YouTube or, multi- or TikTok channels at Multiplex Show Art. Where can people find more from you? Uh, it should be TikTok, but I'm just way too late to get to that, but you can find me over on <laughs> Twitter. Also not posting on Letterboxd, maybe posting, but for sure. Every week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. I like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio feed, but to the video feed as well on YouTube.com slash Intercut Pod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Intercut Weekly Must Watch streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday, usually at 3 p.m. Maybe even like hit that bell so you can get notifications about when we drop new episodes, new after credits, new brackets, a bunch of stuff coming in the next few weeks. Please leave us a comment, like the video, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much-requested five-star review. Shout out again to the good people in Argentina. Julieta holding it down, putting us on the TV and film podcast charts out there. Mateo, like she's our Facebook, with a sign, Insta- <laughs> I know. She's like one of those people flipping signs <laughs> on the corner. Intercut pod. Mad skills. <laughs> <laughs> like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Support our Patreon. All of them are at Intricate Pod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all the guests we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, when you climb twice the height of the Eiffel Tower, don't look down. No. I would. Would you? What's the highest you would climb onto a thing? I think hundred feet is maybe my maximum. Uh, I live on the fourth floor. That that's how much I do. <laughs> <laughs>